Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company and your co-host, Jeffy the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffy the Greek at Jeffy the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Hey, we, we, we're we a little bit late on the podcast this week, but how about two to make up for it? Huh? How about that? We're, we're in a giving mood. Um, okay, so this is basically the coaching pod or the coaching carousel pod, maybe something like that. Um, so we got two big hires that happened. Uh, basically went, I mean, we heard about the Matt rule late Friday night. It seemed like it was heading that direction. That was finalized on Saturday. The day after that, we get potentially even bigger news with Wisconsin uh, hiring their coach. So we will do this chronologically. We will start with Nebraska. Give your thoughts there. We'll go to Wisconsin. And we're going to quickly go through three other what could be interesting coaching situations to keep an eye on as as we move through the offseason. So first up, Matt Rule has been officially hired by AD Trev Alberts to take over the Nebraska program. Pretty darn good hire. Do you got any thoughts yourself, sir? My first thought right away is great hire. Once again, things in the Big Ten West never get any easier. Top to bottom, this just improves the coaching. Look at what he did in his previous stints. I don't care what happened in the NFL. That doesn't count. Literally not even bringing this into the equation. It it it, it's, it factors in 0%, zero for zero, me. Zero. I mean, I guess if, if you wanted to take a huge stretch and say, well, did he lose a little confidence for getting smacked around in the NFL? But no, I don't think so because look what he did at Temple. You look what he did at Baylor. Do you know that he beat Penn State when he was at Temple in 2015? Hmm. It was the first time they had beat Penn State since 1941. That. That's right. I forgot about 19, that. And, and being a regional yeah. matchup, I'm, I'm, I imagine they played a number of times. Which, which, which stings because he's a Penn State guy. He's so a Penn State yeah. guy. Played at Penn State. I think he was on that 94 Penn State team, I believe, which right. I saw in person. When he was at Baylor, he was the AP Coach of the Year and the Big 12 Coach of the Year. When he went eleven and three at Baylor, he took them from one and eleven his first year, which things were not well there, to seven and six to eleven and three. This is a program builder, and what needs to happen right now at Nebraska is they need to build that program. So this is the right guy to do it. Great hire by Trev Alberts. Um, Trev Alberts said this was our number one guy. Um, I don't know how often I believe you know ads and coaching searches when they say that. I mean. You have to say that because you can't go out and say this was our number three guy, you know, with that being said, but nobody ever gets their number one. Literally nobody ever. Because their number one guy would be Nick Saban. (laughs) It's a good point. Good stipulation. The number one guy that we think we could actually. Yeah. Um, It's a good point, though. Okay. What I would say, though, is this. Uh, Maybe he wasn't their actual number one guy, but maybe it was the best guy for the job. I don't know if this this uh, um, comparison really works great, but you see it a lot of times, like a couple, right? They, they've they been married for a while. They go through, unfortunately, a divorce, and one of the spouses remarries somebody completely opposite of who they were married to before. I'm not saying Matt Rule is completely opposite of Scott Frost, but they're they're in the neighborhood of being completely opposite of each other. One's like, cool looking the other one wears dumpy clothes and maybe he shaves one day maybe he doesn't the other guy you know 
um, completely offensive minded. And eh, don't worry about the offensive line. My X's and O's are so good. We're just going to run past people. Matt Rule on the other side, he is going to build from the inside out. Nebraska fans, uh, they very much are a fan base that appreciates what O-line and D-line means to a football program. This is about as good a coach as you can find to start building the lines up in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, that's that was their big weakness in the Scott Frost era. So go opposite. Go oppo. Go, go oppo. And by the way, that's how you have to do it in the West, too. Yeah, if you want to win in the West, you have to start in the trenches. And it certainly it certainly is how you win in the West, but it it's how you win in the Big Ten. Okay. I, I feel like that that stuff gets thrown out there. I, I kind of feel like that's how Michigan's winning the Big Ten championship Touché. right now. It's amazing O-line and, and pretty damn good uh, front seven play. The thing that I probably find the most interesting about Matt Rule's uh, resume, you don't see this very often. He played defense himself. Uh, as we said, he played at Penn State. Uh, kind of more of a walk-on team. There wasn't a lot of available stats there for Matt Rule. He doesn't look like the biggest guy maybe that would be, but um, picked up a lot from from his time at Penn State. So he started out as a defensive side guy. He played linebacker at Penn State. Yep. Wound up being D-line coach, you know, defensive coordinator as he moved all around as coaches do. Then he did something crazy at Temple where he flipped and became the offensive line coach. And quarterback coach there. He had stints in the NFL. He was at the Giants. I just don't know how many times I've seen coaches. He, his his resume is almost split in the middle when you look at time. It's more on the defense, but he's had almost equal amount of time coaching the offense. That's interesting. That is that is very unique. Wonder. I've been trying not to listen to any breakdowns of Matt Rule. So if somebody else is saying that, you know, more power to him. It, that's my, but that is my own observation looking after his his resume. Yeah, now I'm starting to wonder, like, is he, uh, is he the micromanaging type of 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 coach, or is he more of a CEO coach where he just kind of lets his guys go? I can't say that I know that. I would, but I would think based on that alone, he's probably more of a micromanager. Hmm. I'll just say this. I mean, if you've got that much knowledge on both sides of the ball, I feel like you have something to add to both your OC and DC. So maybe that would make him more of a CEO where he can, you know, trust and stand off, but I'm not sure. Um, I think if you are picking nits and there will be Nebraska fans that will not like this hire, right. And they'll be vocal about it, but Oh, by the way, they're all going to be just fine by August, July, August next year. They, they will, they will be very happy with what they're hearing outside of their football, inside of their football complex. Um, but is Matt rule, the prototypical high floor, low ceiling guy. Um, if you look at his records at temple and Baylor, they are a carbon copy of each other, which is starting out with an awful record, but improving team the next year, they get just above 500 and go to a bowl. And then the third year they excel, but at no point in his resume does he have that amazing record against ranked teams and stuff like that. Well, I think that's where it kind of breaks down is the ranked part because 11 and 3 is a pretty good record. He was 11 and 1 in the regular season at Baylor then you know, you get up to those ranked teams and that is when he falters. But don't you think when he was at Temple, when he was at Baylor, he had less talent than than those really upper echelon teams? Correct, uh, but if he if we're going away divisions, which we think we will, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, 
these are going to be teams that are going to have probably more talent than Nebraska as well. And and I will say, let's say he is a high floor, le- low ceiling coach. I think that's just fine right now. And and they're that's not going to be fine forever. But if he gets them to seven, eight wins a year, gets them back to you know the the the, the Bo days, the Bo Pelini oh. days, they're eventually going to get tired of that. Okay. But that's fine right now. Not eventually, quickly. Okay, maybe quickly they will get tired of they, that. If if he goes. I'm making this up, but if he goes two and ten, because that's what these records look like for how he did at Temple and yep. and and Baylor. Now, because of a non-conference schedule, I think they would go higher than that. So let's say they kind of stay where they've been at three and nine. The next year they go, you know, seven and six type of deal, and then that third year they're ten and two. I can assure you, Nebraska fans will be happy along that lines. But if in the fourth year He's ten and two again, and then the fifth year he drops back to nine and three. I'm just saying, you those fourth and fifth years could be the years we're we're projecting out a long ways here, but those could be the years where they could wind up being the most interesting for Matt Rule. Maybe Matt Rule knows that, which is why apparently what was holding up the negotiations was the contract length. Mm. He wanted more years on the contract, and he got it eight years. Long contract, Woo. an eight-year-long contract, and I believe I saw he is now the tenth highest coached in college football. Wow! So, very excited times to be Matt Rule in Nebraska. It's a big contract. Well, gotta live, gotta live up to it. Huskers have no problem throwing throwing money at a problem. They're <laughs> right. they're happy to do that. Absolutely, it doesn't always work out. But I'm wondering, would they would they rather take someone that's more of a sure thing to get them? to a competitive level, or would they rather take the all or nothing type approach? That is a great like, question. Would they rather take the high ceiling, low floor guy? I think at this point they would rather take the high floor, low ceiling guy to get I th- back. I think so. I, that's the right answer. That's by the, the way. correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> if which one they would choose is com- completely different. Um, the ranked teams is what mostly what people are looking at. He was two and five versus ranked teams at temple, but oh, and 11 versus ranked teams at Baylor. I mean, you're Whew. by year th- Three, definitely by year four, you got to be knocking off some ranked wins. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that we would add is the big questions that people have is, can they retain Mickey Joseph? Mickey Joseph is by far a fan favorite. There's a lot of thought process that Mickey Joseph's have built, a lot of relationships with players on the team as well as recruits. If Mickey Joseph can't be retained, do they lose some of the current roster and some of the recruits, how that plays out yep. is going to be very interesting. So best of both worlds is hiring Matt Roll and retaining Mickey Joseph. This is way better than having Mickey Joseph be the head coach, I think. I think so. So I think yes. it remains to be seen if Mickey stays, but if he does, then I think you hit the jackpot. I think that's as good as a jackpot hit as you could get. I would also put in Bill Bush. I think Bill Bush is another guy that Nebraska fans. But as uh, Tom Fernelli says, like what? what? So, okay. Yeah. So I think this is a very good hire. I have no idea if it's going to work out. We're going to use and, that. We're going to use that again. It, and it, thank you, Tom, because I. It as, is exactly what you think. As good of a hire as this is, we I never s- know. No. We thought Scott Frost was hands down. Yeah. A, a, a home run hire, absolutely can't miss. I'm not being pessimistic just because of my current cantankerous relationship with Nebraska fans. <laughs> I just don't know. You have to entertain the idea 
that Matt Rule doesn't have as much success as you think he would have. If you said in four years to me, yeah, didn't work out. They fired him after four years. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. With that being said, if I'm a gambling man, I think he has success. I think so too. I just do not know. just have no idea. And then we moved into the next day. So Wisconsin then hires Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, the 2021 national coach of the year. I had thought that Luke Fickle is going to Nebraska in reading through what I could Hmm. read through Sunday and today. There was something to that. There is something to the fact that did Luke Fickle have a choice between the two schools or was it being entertained? And Trev Albert says blank or get off the pot and then took Matt rule. I don't know. I do not know Nebraska fans. I don't know Wisconsin fans, but it sure seems like there's a lot of smoke to the fire that these two schools were kicking around one, if not both of the coaches that landed here. Yeah. You never know. There's always so much smoke and mirrors in all of these coaching hires where stuff is leaked out to the press. That's clearly not true. Stuff's leaked out just so that you can get a better offer somewhere else, or just so you can get a raise where you currently are. I never know what to believe. There's so many rumors out there. I usually immediately discount all of them. And what's crazy about this, of course, is the anything that we heard about Wisconsin, we believe to be a rumor. Why? Because we thought Jim Leonard, a.k.a. Leon Hard, was a shoe-in, right? He's I, going to be the next Wisconsin coach. I am still stunned I'm that stunned. we're not sitting here talking about Jim Leonard being the official head, co- head coach at Wisconsin. Look, when he took over, it started to look more Wisconsin-y. Yeah, I get it. He lost to Minnesota to cap off the season. But everybody wanted Leon Hard. All the fans wanted Leon Hard. I'm sure the players wanted him. Crazy. I just, I, I was shocked when I heard that it shocked. Wasn't. So that, you know, I mean, AD Chris McIntosh is married to Luke Fickle right now. Remember, remember that weird Sports Illustrated uh, cover where, um, Ditka. Yeah, yeah, Ditka, yeah, Ditka and, and uh, the Ricky running Williams, back, Ricky Williams. Williams. It's almost the, <laughs> almost the same thing here because if if Luke Fickle does not have success, that is going to take Chris McIntosh down. I, I mean, Chris McIntosh still new into his job. I don't think it's crazy to, to think this could wind up being his only coaching hire if it does not work because of what you just described. The, the easy thing was there. And where he could have got the guy that everybody wanted. And and if it didn't work out, nobody would have blamed Chris no, McIntosh. No. But he didn't do that. Because it was just sitting right there, right for the picking. Just didn't do it. And Mind boggling. Okay. But with, with that said, Luke Fickle is the most coveted Dude. group of five coach for Power Five programs. I, I mean, he, he, he turned down Michigan State. Yes. It's been rumored with USC like I don't know if that one so much was was I mean I I think they got who they wanted to get okay remember when we talked about Wisconsin firing Paul Crist right after they lose to Illinois and we're kind of like isn't this kind of like who do you think you are Wisconsin well now I think I know who Wisconsin is the fact that they got fickle to me as much as a surprise it was I think you take fickle if you can get him so these are both good hires okay Fickle to Wisconsin is Matt Rule's a great hire. Fickle to Wisconsin is a phenomenal hire. I know. I was. You could make an argument that he was the number one 
coaching target for any of these schools. Yes, I, I mean, I think he'd that's been linked to Auburn. If 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 a big gigantic you know opening, like if Notre Dame for some reason wound up going four and eight this year, Fickle would have been right on the top of their list, no doubt. And it's Notre Dame. I think you can just go ahead and slide him right into Notre Dame at that point. And now he's at Wisconsin. It's crazy. It's an incredible um, coup. Here's, here's another it's thing. It's a coup. I, That's it, it what is it coup. is. It is a coup. You know, the other thing I was thinking, too. Remember three weeks ago, two, three, four weeks ago, whatever it was, where Braylon Allen suddenly put a stink out on Twitter. Yeah. And then also it was rumored that he started following the my card of Michigan and the yeah. USC running back coach. Do you think maybe the players have known for quite some time? I mean, Braylon made it clear he was upset with Chris being fired. And then also very quickly after that, players got pretty okay. emotional and started verbalizing that if Jim Leonard was not retained as their coach, they were not going to be happy. And Braylon Allen went so far as to say, if it's not Leonard, I'm out of here. That's hmm. specifically what he said. Okay. Which now brings me into the next thing that is the most important thing for Luke Fickle to do is we think the recruiting is going to take an uptick in Madison the biggest recruiting job that Luke Fickle has to do right now is to keep his current roster together oh, yeah. as much sure. as possible. I think that's pretty much the case for any coaching change, but especially especially this one after what you described. Especially this yeah. one, because the players were so vocal about how ticked off they were with Chris and then got even more annoyed where the weeks went on and they were not naming Jim Leonard as the coach. So, like... I'm not saying this thing is unfixable, but it's going to be in. We've got the big date coming up next Monday, right? After the conference championship games, that's when the transfer portal opens back up. There's going to yep. be a lot of Badger fans checking those, you know, wires to see what's what's going on. So I wonder then, when did Jimmy Leon Hard find out about this? From my sources. Yeah, let's hear that. Which is a friend of a friend. Okay. They pretty much found out. The same time we did. I mean, that's what I would figure, because I don't think he would... If if they had said, look, thanks for your services, but you're not going to be the guy at the end of I the year. I don't think he holds his luck. I think he just walks out. So that gets us into maybe the most interesting part of this is, I mean, Chris McIntosh jobbed Jim Leonard here. <laughs> right? I'm not, if, if it went down that way and he didn't tell him, he, if he knew that it wasn't going to be him and he didn't tell him, that's a jobbing. I believe that is exactly what happened. Not a good kind of jobbing either. It's no, a bad that's kind. A, that's a bad job. Um, so now here's the deal. Um, it is, is it possible? Okay, this really isn't between Luke Fickle and Jimmy Leonard, right? They're no. both dudes, you know, Fickle's a little bit older than Jim Leonard. Fickle could walk into Jim Leonard and say, hey, man, bro to bro, I got to take this job. This is, is there, long story short, and, and also known Jim Leonard, obviously, Wisconsin's his alma mater. Is it possible that he stays on the staff? No. Not, not if what happened, not if what we described is, is what happened. There's because no way, if he got jobs, so to speak, there's no way. But it depends on who does Jim Leonard view as his boss. If Luke Fickle can win him over and he's his boss, but ultimately isn't Chris McIntosh his boss? Yeah. Because I my biggest beef if I'm Jim Leonard, is not with Luke Fickle. It's with it's with Chris McIntosh. Yes. I don't know how you'd be able to look at that guy in the face. No way. Okay. If he got jobbed, he's out of there. I would think so. I think Jimmy has too much pride. I would think so, too. He's also got 
an abundance oh my of, gosh. of employment options that are just waiting for him. He can go right wherever now. he wants. He can literally go wherever he wants. Okay, we just um, we just kind of it's spoke, it, it, and go ahead. I was gonna say we just spoke highly on the previous cast of Jimmy Knowles. Yes. If you're if you're Ohio State, this is kind of like it's kind of like Wisconsin saying, "Okay, Jimmy Leonard or Fickle, Jimmy Knowles or Jimmy Leonard." Yeah. It's like you, you've got a good-looking girlfriend. Suddenly, a better-looking girlfriend <laughs> is interest or girl is interested in you. Yeah. You're like, we'll oh, see. maybe I'll. And we'll see what the right fit is. Maybe he just is like, you know what? Recruiting kind of is not my thing. I'm just going to the NFL. I mean, he was rumored for the Packer job recently. Mm. That could that could be the deal. He grew up in Wisconsin, right? He grew up a Badger fan and a, and a Packer fan. Yeah. That could be interesting. Or does he take the $1.9 million defensive coordinator job at Name Your SEC School right now? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see. Dave Aranda lo- did it. Yeah, that's true. He did. You're right. Good point. I, I'm just saying. It, it is going to be interesting to see. And the last thing I would say is – um, Wisconsin fans have the right to be pissed for what happened to Jim Leonard, but at the exact same time, be excited about the hire. It's it, okay to have both. You don't, you don't have to be on team Jimmy Leonard and Luke fickle. You can be upset for, for Leonard Leon hard and be happy for fickle. If I was a Scotty fan, I would be ecstatic right now. I'm just curious. Okay. He's probably going to bring in a different type of offense, right? That's what Wisconsin fans have been asking for for a long time. I've always told them, look, it's working out great. Why would you change anything? But I've kind of changed my tune on that this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, After watching Wisconsin for the last few years, and we'll get to it, but after watching Iowa for the past few years, I think you've got to bring in a modern offense. I don't think there's any question. Um, as an Iowa fan, okay, or as I think I can speak for both of the, I, I don't like the hire. <laughs> just, just want to say that. Same as an I, Illinois fan. I think fan. I felt a little bit better with Jim Leonard just running the program to a certain degree. But at the same time, going under the assumption that Jim Leonard is not at Wisconsin, I very much like that because I'm tired of going against Jim Leonard defenses. Right, so maybe what we see is a little spiced-up offense, maybe a little dialed-back defense. We'll have to do this. I'll give you a chance to win your bottle back next year. We'll call what the the, the final stats okay. will be for All Wisconsin right. next right. year. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. We got three other coaches to briefly talk about, not nearly as deep as we did with Matt Rule and Luke Fickle, but Ryan Day is kind of all over the place right now on Sports Talk Radio, one podcast I listen to. Um, I don't know if he's on the quote-unquote hot seat. I mean, the crazy stat is that he is – one and two versus Michigan, thirty and zero versus the rest of the Big Ten. Is it possible for your seat to be hot but not be on the hot seat? Because I think that's where he's at right now. We we have to come up with a different term for what Ryan Day is right now. Hmm. And and the thing is, is of course I think it's ridiculous to fire Ryan Day. Don't listen to Ohio State fans on Saturday night. I would no. even say Sunday. Yeah. Give them till about Wednesday or Thursday to cool down. I think even they would come around at some point to say, okay, who are you going to get that's going to be demonstratively better than Ryan Day? That's a difficult question to answer. Tall task. It's it's a tall task. However, he, he's got to start winning some big games here. Is that fair? I mean, his losses are 2022 Michigan, 2021 Michigan, 2021 Oregon, and 2020 
Alabama, but that was in the college football playoff championship game. Um, and then, uh, and by the way, he beat 2020 Clemson that year too. So he deserves credit for that. The year before that, if you can remember was 2019 Clemson where they got all the way down to the end, got screwed in that game. So like his losses that he has are against excellent teams, but that is what you sign up for when you go to Ohio state, you have got to beat Michigan. I don't think they expect you to win a, a college football playoff like every year. But Michigan, you better have a very good winning record. Okay, so let's say you take one of these Michigan losses away. How 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 hot would it would it be? Completely different. Let's say you, especially if it was this one. I know it, we're kind of going back a little bit, but let's say you take away that that royal screw job against Clemson. Completely different. You think? So that's far back enough where I think the two Michigan losses would still have it yeah, kind of cranked point. up a little bit. It's a good point. But and by the way, if they would have played 2020 Michigan, because you can remember Michigan opted oh, out ye, of that game, ye. they would have absolutely murdered them, and he'd have a 500 record versus <laughs> Michigan right now. That's true. So, that's true. So it the, is. I don't know if there is more of a unique situation than what Ryan Day is in right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Incredible. And I want to talk a little bit about Jimmy Knowles again because they finished this year 11th in total defense and 13th in scoring defense. And they did that with a high-powered offense, which Correct. is really hard to do. So if you plug in Jimmy Leonard, as I've suggested before, it's not gonna get that does it better. get – Yeah, let's, so let's say they go from 11th to 9th and the 13th to 10th or something. So you got, you got a top 12 defense and a top three, whatever it is, offense – the only team you lose to that you really were even ever in any danger with is Michigan. Maybe that's the sign that Michigan is pretty darn good. Right. I'm just saying. Could be, but I think it's also the fact that they lost back to back. I understand. You know, once you, you, we can we can forgive yes. you, let's get it I, back on track point. and everything's fine. F- phenomenal point. And and what we mentioned before is that right now. Michigan is the team to beat in the East. Michigan's the team to beat in the Big Ten, period. It's not Ohio State anymore. Correct. And that is a extremely tough pill yeah. for, who, uh, for Buckeye fans to swallow. With all of that being said, Kurt, you know when Ryan Day could wind up getting a big season-saving win? His next game this season. Listen, if USC loses to Utah on Friday night, right. it's, a, it's like a two-point spread. Oh jeez, is it really? Yes. Oh man. Like it's it's if you can remember, you that's their only loss of the year yeah. is Utah. Right. Utah some people think Utah's gotten better since they played USC. Mm-hmm. So if Utah beats USC, Ohio State's in. I'm telling you, right, right. now. And then you you win even one of those games, or let's say you rematch against Michigan yeah. and you win that. Yeah. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a chance if TCU loses. They're, they could get in as well. But I think the biggest game you want to cheer for is is Buckeye fans could not be a bigger Utah Ute fans. On the flip side, I don't know. If I'm me, I am cheering for USC and TCU to win out if I'm a Michigan fan. I don't want anything to do with Ohio State being the county. No, for sure. Fans. Absolutely not. You don't want to rematch there. Which is weird because Michigan fans were telling me as recently as two days ago that they would rather see – Ohio State again in the Big Ten Championship oh, than a, one of those horrible, boring teams from the West. Wow. I cannot fathom that thought process. That's unreal. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Listen, it is, 
it is rough. The outlier of the last four years is the 2020 COVID season. Yeah. Anybody that's followed football as hard as guys like me and you do, I'm not saying you completely throw out the 2020 season mm. if it's an outlier, but it's okay. about as close as you can. Okay, well, let me tell you about a conversation that I had with Sam and John from the Westlot Pirates just before the Illinois Northwestern game on Saturday. Drop some knowledge on me. This is interesting. First of all, frustration level is very high. I mean, you, you do see it on Twitter, so that's not a shocker. But obviously, Fitzgerald's a different t- type of coach, he's, and he's had so much success. But these guys are frustrated, okay? The Westlot Pirates are frustrated. They don't want to fire him right now, but they definitely want changes to happen. There's, I asked some probing questions that they didn't necessarily answer, but here's one thing that really stood out to me. They consider the 2020 season to be a fluke. Okay. So they consider this to be a four-year problem, essentially. Okay. And From- if you accept that, the 2020 is a fluke, it has gotten progressively worse 2019, 2021 to 2022. It has. They have gotten worse. I mean, this this team this year, 1-11, one, one you got to go back to way, way back to like the – 80s to find a team that was that bad for Northwestern. And one of the Dave Resin stats I saw was the 11 game losing streak. I mean, I think when it was at nine was already a school record. No, 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 no. Not for Northwestern. I think it is. No, they held, they, they had some unbelievable losing. Okay. Like 31 games or something. In like a that. season. In a season. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Hmm. It was either eight or nine losses in a row in a season was a record. Okay. Oh, uh, or maybe it was like since 19... 19- 74. It was a long time is what it was. Well, there was a- I screwed that stat up. Long story short, they made the wrong type of history this year. Yeah, and some of the frustration was with the loyalty that Fitz has had, especially with Mick McCall on the offensive side. They're extremely frustrated with both coordinators right now, Mike Pajaki on the offensive side, Jim O'Neill on the defensive side. They want to see that go. Um, another thing, another piece of knowledge they dropped on me you remember the one good season, the last four, was 2020, when there were no fans in the stands, right? They pointed at the stadium and said, the students in that stadium right now that are seniors will have gone their entire educational career at Northwestern and leave here without seeing them beat a Big Ten West team in that building. That's incredible. It, it had never occurred to me, and I was, Kingfish was standing right next to me. We looked at each other with jaws our right. jaws on the ground. So, so you, you wonder why the student section <laughs> that you got to fight to get into the stadium in the first place because they're too busy turning into doctors and lawyers. You throw that type of production at them. It's no wonder they can't get people in the stadium. No yeah. wonder why they want to downsize their stadium when they build the new one. And part of the, the loyalty thing is the closeness that Fitz had with uh, Jim Phillips, who is now gone. So I think we will see a lot of changes here. And I think... Uh, to be honest, after speaking with them, I think Fitzy's on kind of a short leash. He should be on a short leash. Like, he deserves the chance to right the ship. Even after he does. three of the last four years being bad, he's had a lot of success. He's obviously an all-time wildcat as well. I think you are for sure going to see different changes on defense. For sure. Yeah. You're going to get a new defensive coordinator. I'm also pretty confident they'll get a new OC, too. Not as much for whatever reason. Maybe it's just a different role or something change that they do there. 
but that's what you're going to see. You're going to see drastic changes out of both coordinators with probably one of them being changed completely. I mean, I think you need to change the offense too. Yeah. I think I'm not saying you don't. I'm just, for some reason, I'm more confident he'll change the defensive coordinators completely than, than offensive coordinators. They also talked about Peyton Ramsey and how he was this kind of godsend, like a band aid that was just on, you know, something that was falling apart and he just held it together for that last year. So then that got us into talking about the roster. They're not high in the roster, even though the recruiting has been pretty good by Northwestern standards. They don't see it appearing on the field. So nothing's going right. I've always said that Fitz is as secure as a Supreme court justice, but not to this. I guess I never thought I'd get to this degree. We never, we always assumed even in the bad years, it wouldn't be this bad. Also, we always assumed that after they would have a bad year, they would bounce back with a good one. We don't feel any of those things. No, right now. but those things always happen with Mike Hankwitz at the helm on defense. I mean, you know, the, those the teams in 20 and 18, they were bad offensive football teams overall. They were great defensive football teams. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's. And by the way, you watch them right now. I, I rewatched the Illinois Northwestern game. It's just so weird to see players out of position. And like to see linebackers getting washed and yep. and not to be able to scrape I, and I make mean, the play. I said when I watched him play versus Iowa, I had never seen a front seven have so much issues getting off of blocks. Sure, that's part yeah. of what you're talking about right here. Another thing I would point out: if somebody walked up to us before this season started and said the two hot seediest, you know, teams would be Northwest, well, three. Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Yeah. We would have called them crazy. I don't know which one would have. No way you would have convinced me that Paul Chris would have not only been replaced <laughs> or, or, or on the hot seat, but replaced. Gone. Gone. Blows my mind. I'm still having troubles coming around to that. Last one is briefly talk about Iowa. Okay. In my mind, okay, I don't want KF going anywhere. I still love the overall direction of the football program. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I actually take it as a compliment. You're laughing right now, but it's, you'd be amazed how many times I have to defend Kirk Ferentz in direct messages. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Um, I have to keep reminding people that the defense is excellent. The special teams are excellent. Did you know, Kurt, that Kirk Ferentz is also in charge of hiring and retaining defensive coordinators and special teams coaches too. I think I think that's correct. Okay. That's correct. The overall program is really good to me, okay? But you can't roll that offense out next year. You mean the offense that finished 130th in yards out of 131 teams, they finished 123rd in passing yards, this is per game out of 131 teams, 122 in rush yards and 100 this is this was the miracle one. They finished 124th in points. That's with getting help from the defense and special teams. Correct. That is the mo- that is the worst set that I just read off. I is think that that's last fair. one. And and a lot of that's tied with how bad the red zone offense. Yeah. Is bad. By the way, we got a good kicker too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I do not personally hate BF. Okay. I I, I don't even I don't know the guy. I, I would venture out a guess that ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people commenting on Brian Ferentz have never met the guy a day in his life. Okay. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that people outside the Iowa football program do not understand how loyal Kirk Ferentz is to all of his offensive coordinators. Yeah. But when you make that decision to hire your son and promote him into that 
situation. This is what you unfortunately have to understand is part of the deal. So you 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 can not roll out the we're going to do what we've been doing except do it better next year. Absolutely not. You have to make changes. You have to modernize. Like I said with Wisconsin, I feel like Wisconsin opened my eyes in the Graham Mertz era. That was a good physical quarterback. I I feel like that just doesn't work that well anymore. Correct. And the case, same case here, what they're rolling out is just not – it's not creative enough. It's not diverse enough. Yep. It's and, not – And w- when we do the team, you know, uh, post views, we'll break this down more. There's th- there's many different things to point at for the Iowa offense being struggling so bad. You you cannot put all the blame on one person or group or, or person or whatever. Um, with that being said, let me ask you this. It is, it is now 7 o'clock on, on – November 28th. Do you think Brian Ferentz, I've got no word, I guess, is what I'm saying here. Do you think Brian Ferentz stays as Iowa's offensive coordinator? I have to predict if this is going to, I'm just, I, I guess I'm going to be a little optimistic here and say no. Okay. Now we'll go under the assumption that Brian Ferentz is let go. When does he get let go? Still got a bowl game coming up. Still got recruits to get in the house. I mean, if you're gonna do something, you got to do it before the bowl game. Okay. I don't. But I. But I'm, I'm not as convinced that it will happen. Number one and number two, I will guarantee you it does not happen until after the bowl game. Boy. Because what I think is going to happen is that he will get ushered into a role with the NFL. I mean this wholeheartedly. I guarantee you he is more highly thought of in NFL circles for an O-line coach, tight end coach, run game coordinator than what the sniveling people on Twitter realize. No, I believe that too. So that is a a live, viable option. I think for most Iowa fans' point of view, they don't care as long as there is something different and a new leader to this offense. And now I'm trying to think, let's say there's a new leader Brian Ferentz, who I believe is probably a good offensive line coach, what if he just becomes the offensive line coach? Is that enough, or does he have to just move on? And that is a question that's out there, um, and I think it's possible, but I guess the question would be, what is less likely? Jim Leonard sticking around in Wisconsin after what happened, and or Brian Ferentz accepting what is most clearly a demotion to become the O-line coach. Yeah, I guess he'd By the way, that would be my choice because he's an excellent O-line coach. Okay. And our O-line needs help right now. It's going to be a different scheme, though. But it's got to be a different scheme. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think go. it's going to be fun if we see completely different offenses rolling out for both Iowa and Wisconsin. How crazy year. is that? I mean, it's... It's an end of an era, and another way to say it's an end of an era in Wisconsin, isn't this kind of symbolize the end of the Barry Alvarez era? It does, yeah. In Wisconsin? Like, is this as clear of a cut away from the Barry Alvarez era? Yeah. It's crazy. Didn't take long for him to leave and that to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. It kind of hung around for, what, a year and a half, essentially. Yeah, yeah, like a year and a half. What it is, and... All right, man, that's all I got. You anything else? That's all I got. I'm Jeffrey DeGree. I'm Big Kurt. It's been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.